Seltzer Kings Podcasts. Hey, are you into werewolves, mad sciences, and a little bit of witchcraft? Then stay tuned for an all-new episode of Watch Corner. We're riding this train straight into the sun. Woo! Tune in to a classic episode of Watts Corner on the Seltzer Kings Network. Available on all podcast platforms. Yes, Gavin, I'm aware it is a holiday weekend and that holiday is Labor Day. And yes, this is a union shop, but I'm the shop steward. So if I'm working, you're working. Ass. The following podcast contains... Oh, won't somebody please think of the children? Explicit language. Hello and welcome to the podcast that asks a simple question. When you went to a Save the Children rally protest and didn't even ask if there were any children needing to be saved, what the hell were you thinking? I'm your host Dave Bledsoe and this is episode number 277, The Stranger Danger is Dangerously Strange edition of the show, where we explain to you that ain't nobody looking to traffic your damn kids. Stay tuned. The What the Hell Were You Thinking podcast is brought to you by LoJack for Kids. Are you worried international pedophile cabals are going to snatch Jaden or Piper from the Walmart parking lot? Concerned Satanists are going to plan to abscond with Imogen from the park? Worried that you can't maintain a proper 24-hour surveillance on your precious bundle of perpetuity like a good parent should? Then you need LoJack for Kids. Based on the same technology as bear collars, LoJack for Kids is a solid, unbreakable, waterproof, and bright yellow tracking collar for your kids that reports their location via GPS and radio transmitter signal wherever they go. Simply latch the 12-pound harness on your little one, lock in the battery pack with your pedo-proof key system, and never, ever worry if little Ethan or Emma stray from your sight again. LoJack for Kids, keeping kids safe through deterrence and constant surveillance for over 20 years and making sure they stay safe forever. Then there are some things you don't want to hear. Some things you just flat don't want to hear. You don't want to come home from work and hear, Honey, remember how we told the children never to play on the railroad tracks? <laughs> By now, millennials and Zoomers are pretty sick and fucking tired of being told how boomers and Gen Xers were essentially unparented. They view it with a mix of disbelief, disgust, and not a little bit of jealousy when we tell them how our entire childhoods were basically unsupervised wandering packs of children roaming neighborhoods and terrorizing each other. Because you guys got so lucky. Of course, they are tuned out by the time we start to tell them about how coming home to an empty house and scrounging whatever food was in the fridge and watching reruns of Gilligan's Island until sundown when one parent or another would show up, throw some fast food at us, and get changed to head out to work at their second job because Reaganomics fucked everyone who wasn't already rich. But I guess, uh, you know, you take the good with the bad. My own mother wasn't quite so libertine as some of my friend's parents. We were required to advise of a location where we might be found if she chose to go look for us, and God help us if we weren't there if she did. But in truth, she rarely checked up on us. What if something could happen to you? What if I couldn't get to you? Well, there were two of us, so she had a spare. She just cut her back-to-school budget by 50%. I'm kidding, of course. My mother was pretty much always knew where we were, mostly because there was fuck-all places to go in the small towns or military bases where we lived, and because this was before children were snatched up in white panel vans and sold to white slavers as child prostitutes, kitty porn stars, and sacrifices to devil worshippers. Simpler times. 
It wasn't until we became teens that she really kept the leash tied on us because she knew that we might voluntarily sell ourselves into white slavery just to get the fuck out of the shithole towns we lived in because fuck Mountain Home Idaho was boring as hell. I was a little too old for the stranger danger panic of the 80s and 90s to impact me directly, but I did experience it secondhand as an Air Force cop where once a month or so some panicked parent would call up the base police and tell us that little Joshua was 23 minutes late coming home from school and demanding we launch a U-2 spy plane to search the base to find him. My baby! Now, we couldn't just tell them that Beale Air Force Base was 40 miles from the nearest city of any size, and that it was a good five miles of empty cow pastures between the perimeter fence and the housing area, and the odds of a pedophile ring snatching a child from this highly inconvenient and definitely well-secured military installation were somewhere between zero and nil, and that Joshua was probably fucking around with his friends down the block because parents back then didn't want to hear logic. They wanted their kid back instantly. So, we'd send someone out who invariably found the kid eating Kraft mac and cheese and watching the adventures of Pete and Pete on Nickelodeon. Shout out to the Adventures of Danny and Mike podcast on the last podcast network and recorded to the studios of our network, Seltzer Kings. Have me on the show, guys. I need to up my downloads. Why did people think their kids were going to be snatched off the streets of East Bumblefuck Air Force Base? Well, had a lot to do with milk cartons. Another one of those cultural tropes most people remember from the time is the missing kids whose picture was on was on the back of a milk carton. From a 2010 Orlando Sentinel story, quote, In the mid-1980s, a Michigan-based nonprofit, the National Child Safety Council, spearheaded the National Milk Carton Initiative, publicizing photos of missing and endangered youth at a time when few such programs existed. What it did most was build awareness worldwide, said Barbara Huggett, director of research for the nonprofit. Mexico, Canada, France. It's not just a U.S. thing. It's known all over the world. The nonprofit's founder, H.R. Wilkinson, was inspired by a small Iowa dairy that was putting missing children's pictures on milk cartons. Wilkinson's nonprofit expanded the program and eventually enlisted more than 700 dairies across the country. And as many as 70 missing children were featured through the program's brief run. Of those, only one child was found alive, unquote. The whole milk carton kid thing was way more up proto mean that it was an effective way of finding missing kids, but it seeped into the collective consciousness of the country largely because of the ongoing satanic panic and just the general anxiety of the times rather than anything remotely resembling reality, and like many good ideas, it did more to spread fear than resolve the situation it purported to be addressing. What happened to those cultural touchstones of the time, by the way? Well, they were done in by that most American of institutions, capitalism and short-sightedness. It cost more to make biodegradable paper milk cartons than plastic milk jugs, which pump plastic into the environment, so they uh, stopped doing it because it cost more money. By the early 90s, parents were pretty much convinced their children were not safe anywhere they went, so they stopped letting their children go anywhere or do anything without constant adult supervision, and thus an entire generation of overparented children came to be. We call them millennials. Oh, yeah, yeah, those people. 
I'm not here to bash the millennials. It wasn't their fault. Their boomer parents were idiots and believed Geraldo Rivera when he told them white panel vans full of pedophiles were coming to steal their kids. I mean, these exact same parents these days believe Geraldo Rivera when he tells them airplanes full of Antifa are coming to burn down their piggly wigglies. So, you know, what can they do? So we're stuffing you into an old folks home. But I really thought that they, of all people, might be immune to the latest round of the stranger danger panic that is again sweeping through America, thanks to our friends on the internet, QAnon. Always helping people. Starting a few weeks ago, the hashtag Save Our Children began making the rounds on the stupidest parts of social media. Facebook. Alleging to be part of a global movement to stomp out child trafficking. Sounds noble enough, right? Who would want to be against children playing in traffic? I'm being told by Gavin that that's not what the hashtag is about, but rather it means selling children for sex, which uh, I admit is objectively horrifying. Or rather, would be objectively horrifying if it were actually, you know, a thing that happens. Now, before you get all riled up at me and start sending me angry tweets, at the hell underscore podcast on Twitter, by the way, for your rage tweets, yes, it can happen, it has happened, and it probably will happen again. But the numbers of actual children abducted for the purpose of selling to a stranger for sex is microscopic. And searching for data on the subject on the internet is next to impossible because of the oceans of disinformation, both well-meaning and nefarious. Meaning you need to access databases from government agencies or academic institutions that Seltzer King Studios has stubbornly refused to pay for, stating, quote, Dude, you're a drunk guy doing a podcast with fart jokes, unquote which is true, but also a little harsh. What I could gather from the Department of State and Department of Justice sources pre-2016 online was this. Yes, sex trafficking exists, but it is almost entirely practiced in the sex trade in Eastern Europe, Africa, and Asia. It is largely young adult women and teenage girls who are promised work in another country and found out that said work is the sex trade. There are a relatively small number of these women in the United States. There's no evidence that women from the United States are being abducted and sent to other countries and then forced into prostitution. Again, not saying it can't happen, just that it doesn't happen often, if at all. Real talk time, no jokes, all right? Child prostitution in the United States is a real thing. It happens all the time. Child prostitutes are taken from state to state by their pimps, and they are forced either through economic, physical, or, ad or addiction to sell their bodies. It's a horrible and disgusting thing and is a very real concern that is rightly addressed by law enforcement and public health agencies. But these young women are not being taken off the streets of small town America. They are almost exclusively runaways or children forced from their homes by their caretakers. Many are the victims of child abuse by their caretakers, be they parents or institutions. Many, if not most, are addicted to drugs and got their start in prostitution because of their drug addiction. And finally, they are overwhelmingly African-American. One 2011 statistic from the Bureau of Justice Statistics that I found said that 40% of underage victims of prostitution were African-American. So the blue-eyed girl on the poster waved around by the people that are hashtag save the children protest is not only disingenuous, but it's downright despicable. Real talk time over. Back to the fart jokes. Back to QAnon and save the children. From an August article on PolitiFact.com, quote, 
The posts are just a few examples of unproven pedophilia accusations that have greasily gone viral with hashtag Save the Children, a seemingly innocuous and philanthropic hashtag that is in fact linked to years-old unproven sex trafficking and pedophilia conspiracies involving politicians and celebrities. Over the past month, hashtag Save the Children has received tens of millions of likes, shares, and comments on Facebook and Instagram, according to CrowdTangle, a social media insights tool owned by Facebook. The search interest in the phrase ballooned during the first week of August, and people in several Several cities across the country have held in-person rallies to promote the movement. Post with hashtag Save the Children and hashtag Save Our Children spiked on Facebook during the last week of July and the 1st of August. The post started circulating in QAnon and Pizzagate Facebook groups in July before spreading to conservative sources like PragerU, according to CrowdTangle. More recently, users with large followings, such as the evangelical internet personality Joshua Feuerstein, actor Kung Lei, and Mike the Cop, gave hashtag social media a boost, unquote. From there, the movement broke out into small but widespread rallies around the country where well-meaning folks came out to rally against child trafficking. These rallies featured a usual mix of well-meaning white people deeply concerned about the things that well-meaning white people like to appear deeply concerned about if it isn't too inconvenient, the sort of folks that marched a BLM protest or work people pink pussy hats back in 2017, which in and of itself is harmless, but mixed in with them were QAnon people. Well, at least you were getting along. True, and all it took was wild-ass conspiracy theories. From an NBC News article on the protest, quote, while many of the Save the Children events do not openly espouse QAnon belief, the group's connection is never far. On their personal social media page and in their mostly private Facebook groups, organizers of the largest upcoming rallies openly embrace QAnon ideology and push its content. Facebook pages for the events are often swarmed with conspiracy theories involving vast child trafficking rings and baseless accusations about the involvement of Hollywood actors and politicians. Shauna Blinn a California activist behind a team effort to unite hundreds of Saturday, Saturday's rallies noted the heavy presence of QAnon believers at the previous rallies, but said all were welcome. There were a lot of Trump supporters, a lot of Q supporters, she said. But there were also a lot of Democrats and people that don't like Trump and don't even follow Q. As for her, Shauna's personal stance on Blinn said, I guess you could say I support Q. The communication strategy strategy seems to be working. Regardless of their public online postings and event pages, local media coverage of the events has been widespread and credulous, almost never mentioning the event's QAnon connections. A few local television and radio stations have advertised lists of the events on their news websites. The Colorado Times recorder, recorder served as an outlier with his report last week, Denver Anti-Sex Child Trafficking March Rooted in QAnon Conspiracy Theories. All six of the rally organizers who spoke with NBC News said the point of their protest was to get media attention. Indeed, many of the signs seen at rallies ask why the media is reporting on COVID-19 or Black Lives Matters protests instead of the real pandemic of missing children. It's a tactic that can't help but attract more followers, unquote. By the end of August, the media seemed to have caught up on the con. Most of the reports you can read now are about how QAnon has co-opted the movement. They didn't co-opt it, they created it, and lured well-meaning folks into supporting Q, which isn't accurate either, but it's still better than peddling baseless conspiracy theories, but the underlying information still remains unchecked. The idea that kids in America go missing all the time. It's one of those persistent myths that still clings on year after year, long after the original information was debunked and gets reinforced by new stories all the time. You might remember just a week or so ago a story about the U.S. Marshals recovering 39 missing children in a Georgia trailer. 
the way that well, they weren't they weren't in a scene they weren't all together they weren't in a double wide trailer in podunk fucking georgia but the way the story was played out and all the news was that all these kids were ranked out of a shithole trailer in gooberville even though that was never said in the stories it was though kind of implied by both the marshals and the media because the ratings are good but that is even what clo- isn't even close to what happened from a fox 40 atlanta article quote the rescued children were considered to be some of the most at-risk, challenging recovery cases in Georgia based on indications of high-risk factors such as victimization of child sex trafficking, child exploitation, child sexual abuse, sexual abuse, physical abuse, and medical or mental health conditions, according to the news release. The youngest child was reportedly three years old, and while many had been gone for several weeks, one had been missing for two years before being rescued. Authorities arrested nine people, many of them had had multiple arrest warrants for charges including sex trafficking, parental kidnapping, registered sex offender violations, drugs, and weapons possessions that sounds awful yeah and that was from an article debunking the claim that they were all found in a single double wide trailer go look for the exact details on who was arrested and who was rescued and for what exactly happened the specifics of the sex trafficking allegations and you will not find them they're not out there why? Because the story as it stands is so much cooler than half the kids being taken from non-custodial parents, which is what 99% of the time is likely going to be exactly what the fuck happened in these situations. The headline that 800,000 children go missing every year is bandied about all the time by the media and the internet and features prominently on conspiracy theorists' drooling lips. Sounds fucking terrifying, right? Nearly a million kids just up and vanish every year. No, that, that doesn't happen. Again, this is another one of those things where good statistics are hard to find among the piles of shit on the internet, but the number 800,000 has long been the standard going around, and Slate debunked this number in 2007, saying, quote, Abduction numbers are fungible, since they depend so much on whether the crime gets reported and how you define abduction. Saying a child is missing can mean any number of things. A child who's run away from home counts the same as a kidnapped murder victim. When the categories get conflated, the statistics can become confusing. Take the number 800,000. It's true that 797,500 people under 18 were reported missing in a one-year period, according to a 2002 study. But of those cases, 203,900 were family abductions, 58,200 were non-family abductions, and only 115 were stereotypical kidnapping, defined in one study as non-family abductions perpetrated by a slight acquaintance or stranger in which a child is detained overnight, transported at least 50 miles, held for ransom, or deducted with the intent to keep the child permanently or killed. Even these categories can be misleading. Overstaying a visit with a non-custodial parent, for example, could qualify as a family abduction, unquote. The National Center for Missing and Exploited Children is one of the better organizations on this issue, and they try to keep things factual and help find the kids, and their statistics are generally accurate with some caveats. The main being that they rely on FBI stats where it's subject to the kind of inflation mentioned in the Slate article. From the NCMEC's website, quote, according to the FBI in 2019, there are 421,394 NCIC entries for missing children. In 2018, the number of missing children entries in the NCIC was 424,066. In 2019, the NCMEC assisted in law enforcement and families with more than 29,000 cases of missing children. 
91% of endangered run were endangered runaways, 4% family abductions, 4% critically missing young adults ages 18 to 20, usually people with mental issues, and less than 1% non-family abductions. 1% lost, injured, or otherwise missing children. And of the tw nearly 26,300 runaways reported to the MCMEC in 2019, one in six were likely victims of child sex trafficking, unquote. See my real talk section of this podcast. So, we went from 400,000 to 29,000. Of that 29,000, less than 2,900 were non-family abductions. There were around 74 million children in the United States. Now, let me just uh, do some math here, okay? I'm going to carry the one, divide, and, and uh, add the percent. Uh, yeah, I can't do math. Let's just say it's a very, very small number, okay? Stranger danger child trafficking are not now and never have been a significant threat to children in the United States. You want to know the real threat to kids in this country? I blame the parents. It's the parents I blame. See? Now, I know that you would think that, but again, 74 million kids. And only 4% were family abductions. And yeah, then child, if, if a child is harmed in this country, they're still overwhelmingly harmed by a parent or family member, like a batshit cult member like Chad Daybell and Lori Value murdering them because Jeebus is coming back or some shit like that. But even factoring in all the horrible things done by parents to kids, we're still talking about some really small numbers. You want to know the real killer? A real monster that's harming kids in this country? 11.9 million of them in 2018. Something that one in six children in this country suffer from every fucking day. You want to save the children? Save them from fucking poverty. The richest country on the planet with the most billionaires in the world. A country where corporations get, pay, get away with paying zero taxes and get bailouts from the government meant for small businesses. A nation where we produce so much fucking food that we throw 30 to 40% of it away every fucking year. And yet children go to bed hungry every fucking night. A country where 4.3 million children still have no fucking health care and you can get your Botox injections in an hour. A country right in the middle as far as infant mortality rates, largely due to expensive health care, 170th in the world out of 225 listed nations. We're tied with Serbia, for Christ's sakes, and infant mortality. I mean, nothing against Serbia, but come on. The richest fucking country on the planet is tied with Serbia? And the threat to children in this country isn't pedos, it isn't panel vans and Jeffrey Epstein's or Hollywood Satanists. It's fucking poverty. So you want to save the fucking kids? Save them from fucking Republicans. They're the ones making sure kids are hurting. If you see Mitch McConnell driving around your neighborhood in a white windowless van, hide your fucking kids. Put Mitch's face on a protest sign the next time you hang out with your QAnon buddies, assholes. That is it for our show this week. I was going to run a rerun this weekend. Give Gavin the weekend off because we're a union shop and Gavin's one day off a year is Labor Day unless I need him to pick up my laundry or something. But I woke up at 4 a.m. on Friday with Hell is for Children running through my head after a Weaker's Old Writer's Block. And another low-rated episode of this podcast was born. That's how this show works. 
little peek behind the scenes, as it were. Speaking of behind the scenes, rate and view, review this show wherever you get your pods. It helps others peek behind the scenes of your taste in podcast and wonder what the hell is wrong with you. Follow the show on Twitter at the hell underscore podcast with a show name on Facebook for more insights into how my mind works. It's mostly whiskey and rage. Kick us some cash on Patreon, patreon.com slash what the hell podcast. Gavin's a little down that most of you don't like him enough to get his little pin thingy that lets people know you're a friend of Gavin. And let's face it, he needs a friend. He doesn't have any. Certainly not me. All of the shows are here at whatthehellpodcast.com, where you can hear all the exciting tales of my childhood that I have to bore you with because I have no children of my own. So for me, Dave once drove a pedo van but never had any kids in it, Bledsoe. Producer once refused to chalky from Jimmy Savile. Gavin and all. That was so niche, nobody's going to get it. And all the fictional free-range kids on this show, we want to say, don't worry, we're not playing this song because it was too dark. How is for children? Mitch McConnell is the fucking devil. We'll see you all next week. What the Hell Were You Thinking stars Dave Bledsoe and features Gavin St. James and several fictional minions. The show is produced by Kimberly Steele and a part of the Seltzer Kings Podcast Network. You can find more information on the show on their website, whatthehellpodcast.com, or on Twitter at thehell underscore podcast, or on Facebook as What The Hell Podcast. Thanks for listening. I have no ending for this, so I take a small bow. Seltzer Kings Podcasts.